Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. Remember, if you like this podcast, recommend it to a fellow seller friend or someone interested in vineyards and wine. First off, I am a little congested this week, so sorry uh, for uh, that. But we do this all via Zoom, so everybody's safe and sound. Uh, This week, I'm going to talk to Ashley about wildlife in vineyards and especially how we can encourage certain wildlife and manage maybe the wildlife that is not super beneficial for what we're doing. Ashley, what kind of wildlife is, in your opinion, common in vineyards in the Pacific Northwest? I'm Haley. This is Ashley. We are Whole Cluster Conversation. I was just kind of, you know, thinking off the cuffs. And I also just kind of, I decided to look around and see what, you know, different people were kind of complaining about on the internet, (laughs) (laughs) just to get some general ideas. But I think, you know, obviously it depends on the type of habitat you have. So some people have, I mean, a lot of you have like slopes and, and, you know, obviously like, uh, ground dirt. (laughs) Um, Some people also have like streams and rivers uh, and ponds or lakes on their property. So those types of things can obviously bring in different types of wildlife. But oftentimes what I think people most complain about are deer, potentially elk, if you're in a region that has elk, rodents, particularly things like voles, uh, different birds like raptors, things flying from the sky to attack you, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and other small mammals like maybe possums, raccoons, skunks, uh, that kind of stuff. And then I think the other thing that's becoming more and more popular, and we've talked about it so much already, but I think pollinators and attracting pollinators, I think that we don't oftentimes think of them as wildlife. Those are a couple of the common ones that I think I hear people complaining about a lot. Or maybe in pollinators, like, hey, we want to increase them. Right. I feel like we're going to talk a lot about uh, the wildlife Mm -hmm. uh, term today is going to be mostly about mammals. (laughs) Mammals, yeah. <laughs> or, I shouldn't say mammals, because uh, birds too. Maybe, maybe some reptiles, but um, it's mostly animals. Yeah. So yeah. that's something to keep in mind. Where there's plenty of other wildlife, uh, like f- uh, flora in vineyards, but uh, we're going to focus mostly on bird or animals. Well, yeah, wildlife is usually it's like usually the umbrella is fish and wildlife, and some people only think of like. Yeah, wildlife, usually, it's pretty common, us humans being mammals, we kind of have a preference for mammals and then secondary birds, like just in general, those are the common things, invertebrates, mussels, you know, (laughs) things like mussels and pollinators tend to get a little sidetracked and and then I feel like herps, the right parent, are like really like and worms and like yeah. different animals like that. People are like, yeah, no one really cares. But <laughs> I do. I like the underdogs. So, <laughs> so yeah. I'll probably try to focus on them because I feel like so much of these conversations, we just naturally are drawn to mammals and, yeah. and birds, like cute little fluffy things. <laughs> <laughs> true. That's true. So yeah, Haley, what I was curious... Um, for you being a vineyard owner, what is the kind of wildlife that you see on your vineyard or maybe, um, you know, around your vineyard and uh, maybe even your 
fellow colleagues, places that you guys deal with? We see uh, some deer in our Mm -hmm. vineyard, um, and I think that's pretty common in the area that we are, that uh, there's not monocropping going on. There's a lot of different things. And so uh, the deer tend to come down from the BLM land, which is a pretty big swath uh, in the area. We have a lot of whistle pigs, which are also (laughs) known as... uh, Help me out here, Ash. <laughs> prairie dogs, right? Uh, I think they're a type of prairie dog, yeah. And then we ground do ground ground uh, squirrels, ground squirrels. Yes. Yep. <laughs> we do have some badgers on our property. Oh, badger, badger, badger. Yeah, <laughs> and they they've moved around a little bit. They mostly are on the like edges of the property now, but they used to be kind of everywhere. I think that they, when no one was up there and there was no disturbance, it's just where they lived. It was, you know, Mm -hmm. like it was a wild area and that's where they lived. Uh, They don't seem, unless they dig a big hole, they don't seem to damage any of our vines or anything or cause problems. The whistle pigs actually cause more problems because they eat more of the roots. Yeah. And that's like the voles that I mentioned is that's oftentimes the same thing that voles are are damaging root structures of plants. And um, birds are another really big thing. We see tons of different types of birds, uh, everything from just doves to Mm -hmm. raptors and uh, quail. We also have Mm -hmm. uh, quite a bit of pheasant, which is really cool to see. Some of those are like, we don't worry about many of those. We try to control some of the bird pressure towards the end of the season when we're getting ready to pick because we don't want to have a bunch of birds come in and eat all of our crop or cause mm-hmm. damage to the crop. But the other, like pretty much we don't, they're not, we're not bothered by a lot of the uh, birds and and things that are in the vineyard, but the deer have become a bit of an issue depending on what time of year they're in the vineyard. So they don't come in and eat the fruit, but they'll come in early in the season and eat a lot of the young tissue as the buds mm-hmm. or as the, vines are kind of waking up for the season and then that causes problems uh later on in the season so we're trying to figure out how to manage uh the deer but also we like having kind of a wildlife corridor in our on our property so we're trying to see if uh if we allow them to be there it doesn't damage too much of our crop you know it's kind of a balancing act like we like to see them but we also don't necessarily want to encourage them yeah I was, I know that you kind of wanted to ask me this question, but I would be interested to know from you what things you are currently doing to deter uh, deer and like you were mentioning the birds and stuff. Like what what things are you doing already? The birds we deter with a laser system. So it's- That's cool. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It's really cool. It's all, it's got a couple solar, small solar panels. And it runs, like it doesn't have to be hooked up to anything. uh, And it just runs. And it seems like most of the birds stay out. We we only run it for about three weeks a year. And it Mm -hmm. runs from in the morning for a couple hours around dawn. And then uh, around dusk for another couple of hours. And it just tends to be enough movement and kind of variation um, in the light and stuff in the vineyard that the birds don't want to be around it. Mm-hmm. So it keeps, and we're, and we're also very small. So maybe over time we'll decide we want a second unit or if we have like a lot of bird pressure, we'll net. That's the other big yeah. way to prevent bird pressure. But 
there's other issues with netting. You know, birds get caught in the nets and then yeah. you have, and it's also really difficult um, to, like nobody's figured out a really great, easy way to install nets and uninstall nets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that's how we do it for, for birds. For the deer, we've talked about putting in deer fence around the property, but mm-hmm. um, right now, because we've only had a couple issues with the deer, we're just trying to take note of it, manage it. And um, I guess the deterrent that we have is uh, we have seen less and less deer the more we are up there. The mm. same with the badgers. The more we're around, the less we see of those animals. They kind of, they don't want to be around humans. They don't want trouble. They just kind of go and do their own thing. That Just yeah. that has been helpful. I'm I'm glad to hear that. And I was going to say that your the birds uh, with doing it in the dawn and dusk, that's like the time that they're most active. So that right. makes sense that you, that's why you would do it then. So. Yeah. Kind of coming back around to you. So is there, for this wildlife that we're talking about, what do you think is really not good for vineyards or the crop? And what is stuff that you can just kind of be like, that's okay, we'll let them be. <laughs> I think... It's like any animal. Honestly, the the big the big question is or the big answer is any animal that's too much. So like, you know, as you mentioned, you have one or two deer. Like that's not a thing. It's when the herd moves in and just stays there um or you have too many voles and so then you're just trying to manage. Okay, I have too much of this one particular thing that's attacking. So you're trying to think like holistically of okay, how to kind of minimize it. So you're never going to have a sterile environment. And like, honestly, I don't think you want a sterile environment. Even as much as we hate things like, you know, the groundhogs or whistle pigs, as you call (laughs) or not groundhogs, um, ground squirrels or the whistle pigs, as you call them, or the voles or the deer, they are providing certain uh, ecological benefits. They are going through and like mixing up your soil, which is really awesome for soil health. But like you mentioned, if it gets to a point that it's like, you're creating so many holes or you're just really impacting my crop. I think that's when you really have to consider it. Um, Like I said, you're not going to have a sterile environment. That's just, honestly, you're just going to put way too much time and effort into it to try to achieve that goal. So it's about managing it and thinking of creative ways to manage it. So that's like the big thing, but I would say Anything that's bringing in a vector of disease would be of a concern. Yeah, if you, uh, and that could be for your vines or, you know, something else. So just thinking of that, or like I mentioned, just too much of voles or birds predation. But I think there's creative ways to limit all of those. And right. Something that I didn't mention that we have seen in our vineyard is snakes. And so I yeah. would say also if you're if there's something that's caught, like it could be a safety issue for people that are working in the vineyard, you might want to find ways to manage that. Not necessarily get rid of them because like in the area yeah. that we're, we are, we're not going to get rid of bull snakes. We actually want bull snakes because they're going to be eating the rattlesnake and the rattlesnakes <laughs> that, that might be around that oh, we yeah. don't want because they're yeah. much more dangerous than the bull snakes. The other thing that I was thinking as you were talking about was that we have that might cause a bit of danger. And so you just need to, again, the management of like knowing it's there and knowing to deal with it in a different way is um, 
we we do have black widows, quite mm. a number of black widows. So every time we open a like a little water box to mm-hmm. turn water on, we always do it with gloves on to make sure that we're not going to yeah. uh, get bit by a black widow because that could be bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I was also thinking there could be larger predators. Um, you know, yeah. as deer move in, you might have coyotes that move in or yes. you might have or coyotes or cougars or stuff yes. like that. And like, I don't, I mean, ultimately, I know that there's like the threat of it, but I also am like, well, you know, you're also living in their habitat, so you got to like kind of manage it and how you're yes. going to do it. And that's so, a really good way to look at it. And I know that that's not a perspective that everyone has, and it's you know, it's scary to have that, but it's it's also about like living with wildlife, and you yes. know take that opportunity to maybe put up wildlife cameras around your property and at the edges of your property, then you kind of know what's what's around too and yeah, and try to try to think about how you can live with it, but also like maybe put up fences or maybe like, I know some vineyards will have dogs. Like you mentioned people being out on the property, you see less of things. So they'll have dogs that wander around and they just kind of make sure that things stay like around, but not too close. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Thinking about uh, what you were saying about like, you're you're in this wildlife environment and you're kind of inserting yourself in there. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to me a little bit about habitat corridors and yeah. like how important are they? What are some good examples that you've seen in maybe some vineyard settings? And then um, even uh, how a vineyard could be a good place to set up a, a, a wildlife habitat or thoroughfare. I think especially a place like yours, and I think of a lot of vineyards are part of a larger mosaic of the landscape. And sometimes like you are next to public wild land. um, And so that's, you're going to have more than somebody that might have like an urban vineyard. There are urban vineyards that are like, and you know, they're usually smaller, but you know, they're like in a city. And so you're, that's going to be different. And I will just preference this with, my background, you know, my master's degree, I really studied urban ecology. And so I was really thinking about how we, as humans, you know, as as a species, we kind of start breaking up the, the landscape. So if you want to think of, say, a forest, and then, you know, you move in and you clear out an area to create a settlement, and it just starts breaking up the landscape into different types of land uses. And that's not inherently bad, but if you're thinking of something like, we'll just go with the deer, moving through a forest, they might have more protection than when they are out in an open area. Uh, So as they kind of move through and there's these different land use types that species are using, it can be hard for them to move from their needed habitat, one type of needed habitat to another type of needed habitat if they're having to cross all these different types of land uses. So habitat corridors are a way to um, help with that. I, for some reason, just popped into my head the great example um, in England of the hedgehog. I don't know if you've heard about hedgehogs and gardens, but they have, you know, the stone kind of things that break up their hedgerows of sorts, the stone ones. Uh, But there's this common thing that the 
habitat has kind of been broken up. So they create these little hedgehog gardens in people's yards, and then they create little tunnels for the hedgehogs to move through so that they can move from like one property to another and still have the protection, the cover that they need, food sources that they need, and maybe even like, you know, water sources. So in thinking of just like, you know, think of something like, going really high, you know, bird's eye view of your landscape and thinking about how you can be, your vineyard can be part of that pathway that species are moving through an area. And so if that's like pollinators, that's a common one, creating a hedgerow. Um, That can also be great for birds that just provide that um, safe space for them to nest, um, shelter in place. Um, Thing, a, another common one is planting things in between the vines so that, you know, you kind of have that corridor that places can move. Think about your edging. Um, that's, you know, another way that you can kind of like have a safe place for the deer to move along and like have that on the edge of your property and have that like wildlife corridor that they can be moving from, you know, one landscape to another. Um, And the other thing is I just, especially deer, other things is think about your fencing, how you're fencing critters out, also how you're fencing critters out, like, um, and so that they can't move through areas. So that's what I was saying. Like, if you do know you have a lot of deer in the area, if you just kind of create that like pathway or, or natural highway of sorts that they can move through the area and providing, uh, the food and shelter in that area, especially to kind of draw them into there, I think yeah. is really helpful. Yeah, definitely. For different areas, so like where we are have our vineyard and our farming mm-hmm. is very different than the Willamette Valley. So mm-hmm. do you feel like there's a good resource, uh, local resources to kind of look to when if you want to plan for a wildlife corridor on your property? I think, yeah. I mean, it depends on wherever you are. I think a lot of the places that we've talked about before, any sort of like watershed council or, um, you know, NRCS or uh, your local soil water conservation district or let's, I'm just trying to think of the other, there's like some federal ones that I think I was going to plan on mentioning a little later, but uh, things like your... Uh, National Federation of or Wildlife Federation might have some really good info on wildlife corridors. It's a really common practice. And I know there's a lot of researchers that are doing info on it. There's some really cool researchers on like the big, big landscape level of wildlife corridors, especially up in Canada with highway crossings. And I don't know if you've heard about like, you know, creating these places for, for our animals to move because some of our highway systems like 84 in your neck of the woods um, really breaks apart and animals can't move from one side to the other. And I know like in Canada, the reason I bring that up is because like they have moose that move through. Yeah, (laughs) so so they need big. Big animals. But I I think it's a really well researched, I mean, there's constantly more research with it, but I think uh, depending on if you are looking for uh, technical assistance of like, what can I plant? How can I do this? Yeah. you know, there's places for that or just generally learning about it. You could look like towards some local universities and extensions for info on that. Yeah, that's true. 
I know that you had mentioned to me, uh, like, sometimes you could do more than just planting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so could you tell me a little bit more about that? I know that you had said structures, like, yep. go yeah. for it, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, I think, kind of one of the areas I got really excited about wildlife early in my career, um, especially since, again, I have that background with urban wildlife. And so thinking about how can we see them, and one of the ways is through structures the most common structure I think people will think of is like birdhouses, right? Um, creating birdhouses. There's lots of cool different designs for different types of birds. Like I know bluebirds are often a common thing found in vineyards. And so creating the bluebird boxes. Another thing we mentioned earlier, the pest of voles. So you might be like, how can I kind of mitigate against them or or do something. And that could be through raptor perches, um, including raptor perches around the edge, as well as bringing them into your your vineyard. Um, And those, that'll just provide that area for, you know, something to sit on and be able to to look for those voles and spot them um, and just kind of bring them down into the vineyard area where you're wanting to have them date on the small voles. Uh, (laughs) The other one that I think a lot of people don't think about, and again, this is because I studied turtles, I'd love to mention is a lot of people or there's people that have like amazing parts of their vineyard. Like I have a huge pond or I have a, a huge lake that I've created or is part of the natural system that, you know, is a really awesome feature of my vineyard. And or maybe even a stream, but with those ponds and lakes, uh, sometimes people will have things like turtles. And so, uh, putting out turtle basking structures, there's a lot of different ways you can do that. Everything from a floating log to a pallet that's been kind of spruced up to um, (laughs) just have areas that turtles can bask. And I think that that provides a really awesome. Uh, habitat and features for uh, a unique species and also can provide a really unique viewing opportunity for people that visit the vineyard. Yeah, that's that's a really good point that sometimes it's not just about the wildlife too. It's about all the people that are not people, but all of the uh, people that are interested and all of the the ways that you can kind of make that part of the experience of being on your yeah. property. Yeah, making it aesthetically pleasing and and I think, you know, having stuff like flowers and, you know, plant, you know, pretty plant structures and designs in ways uh, can be really cool. Or like even like having bat boxes uh, that can help with. Bats are amazing for things like mosquito control and different insect control. Like, oh my word, they're so cool. So um, yeah, just thinking about like if you have a barn structure or something like, hey, incorporate that into it or, yeah, um, and you know, and then use that as an opportunity to kind of sell it to people of like, hey, there's this really cool thing. And right then it, I think it enhances the experience for people that are visiting the vineyard. Yeah. I know that uh, we talked about this briefly. I just saw a sign that said this is a certified Mm -hmm. wildlife habitat. (laughs) So I was wondering if you could touch on that a little bit too. There's a lot of different 
uh, local programs to like national programs about wildlife certification. Um, there's everything from, I think of something like, you're probably not going to use it for a vineyard, but the backyard habitat certification. Um, and that's like a pretty rigorous process where somebody comes and visits you and like actually says like, do you have these particular features uh-huh. um, in your yard? And then you get a certification at a different level. So here's to me, gold backyard habitat certification. (laughs) Uh, Not quite platinum, but yeah, that's kind of a fun uh, ranking system. And I know you have things like live and other certificate or like salmon safe. And so it's similar to those, those types of certifications. And again, some of those are like, hey, I, uh, you have somebody that comes out and like verifies it and gives, says, yep, you're at this level of certification under our program. Okay. And that can just be something cool that you can help promote as, you know, part of your vineyard saying, you know, we have another one of these certifications. There's also the National Wildlife um, Federation. They have um, a... Uh, one that's like a self-certification where you say like, you know, you kind of go through, they have a checklist and you say, yeah, I'm agreeing that I'm doing these things on my property. And then you give them a donation and they give you a sign. (laughs) Like realistically, it's a donation for the sign. Um, But that's still like, it gets that message out and makes you start thinking about like ways that you can be doing it. I think the Um, sign that I saw said that, I think it was from the National Wildlife Federation and it was something like, we provide shelter, water, and food sources or something like that. I don't know if that means you're feeding the animals, but... (laughs) Yeah. A couple other ones I wanted to mention is Xertsea Society has one. They have a couple different ones about, um, you know, limiting your use of pesticides um, and providing those like pollinator areas, um, planting areas. And then there's another one that I can't remember who does it right now, but I know that there's some around... um, which your laser lights might get you for this one, but about light pollution, um, because that's especially helpful with like birds, especially during the migratory season. So just like identifying, like I know on farms, like oftentimes you're not producing light, but that's another kind of fun certification level. Yeah. So well, and we only use the lasers for like I said about three weeks out of the year. So yeah, it's, yeah. I feel like this is one, another one of those conversations that we're having that like we're. We didn't know what we were doing was the right thing, but we're doing a lot of the right things. And now I understand a little bit more about it. And like, okay, that means we can do it even better. Yeah. But before we wrap things up, I wanted to make sure there wasn't anything else that you wanted to talk about. Like nothing, is there anything that I should have asked that I didn't? Yeah, I think that, and it, I mean, it's again, because we're talking about vineyards, but um, I kind of touched on it a little bit with the turtle platforms. But I think the other thing that some people have on their properties are streams, rivers. And so I would just, there's the aquatic wildlife and, you know, maybe even amphibians and things yeah. that are around that. Um, and so I think one of the things I want to mention that's beneficial for, vineyard owners to think about if you do have any sort of aquatic or, you know, wetland or river stream on your property is to think about your buffers and think about, (laughs) you know, whatever you're doing, either that's like any sort of like soil erosion sediment, um, you know, runoff or even like pesticide or, you know, other things that you might be doing on your property, which, you know, nothing 
nothing's bad, but uh, just thinking about creating those buffer zones so that we're not impacting our local streams and fish. Um, I know in Idaho, where you are, you know, salmon, all of the Pacific Northwest salmon is king, not king <laughs> salmon, but <laughs> um, or Chinook. But uh, just thinking about like wanting to protect those waterways from from those things, so that your aquatic wildlife is good, and um, maybe you'll have some mussels and some other cool wildlife um, yeah. that are using it, or like I said, amphibians that are along the the edges of those areas. So uh, just keep that in mind and. I think we've talked about that in previous episodes. So, yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you. I feel, like I said, thank you for encouraging us because I feel like we're doing some right of the right things, but we didn't really realize what they were or why or how. So now we have a little better understanding. Yeah. I know that me, and I get, I have the lens of being kind of one of the mini hats of a wildlife biologist. But when I go out to vineyards that have some sort of like aesthetically pleasing thing with wildlife, oh, look, we have bird boxes. While you're sipping your wine, you can see the birds <laughs> flutter around or whatever else. To me, I think that just enhances the overall vineyard experience. So yeah. keep that in mind. Cool. With that, I think we're going to wrap up. So uh, thanks for joining us for another conversation. And remember to follow us on Instagram, Facebook. And if you have any questions, write us in at wholeclusterconversation at gmail.com. And let us know if you want us to talk a little bit more specifically about any of these wildlife topics. Um, I would love to you know, dive in more about this. I always love talking about critters. Um, and we look forward to you tuning in next week. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of Whole Cluster Conversation. Music provided by Michael Johnson of Grand Falconer. Audio production provided by our friend Ukiah Vogel. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you like to listen. Ciao.